This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons. Patrons like Lara Grunt and John D. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as a little and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. You are <laughs> what? As a little as a buck a month. This motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave that in. It's fine. Uh, you are listening so to Chris. 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 The Italians have to talk normal now. Come on. Wow. <laughs> Racist. Hey. Hey. It's no, not it's my cool. fault. Chris Pat picks it. Yeah. Yeah. It was Chris Pratt. He fixed all of them. All of them. are listening to lightning strikes thrice the jrpg games club podcast that is only here to stall you this is season <laughs> buddy tell me about it this is season eight episode 12 covering the tactical warship merkaba in xenosaga episode three i'm your host chris taylor and my pronouns are he him and with me today is sybil arnett she her ryan Beatty, they them matt marcus he him i don't know why but ariel looking real good today someone tell me <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> Someone tell me what happened last episode. Fucking <laughs> Chris the font sexual. What? It looks so nice. What? Oh, the, what? oh that's what he meant. Okay, I thought yeah. he was just like his kid oh. left a little mermaid toy around. What? <laughs> what that ligature do though? <laughs> Where does the fish begin? Let's find out together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, if so, you have a reverse mermaid, you get a regular pussy and you can hold on by the gills, which is massive, <laughs> vi- <laughs> which is massive violence, but a reverse mermaid is inherently disposable. What the fuck? <laughs> what? Jesus Christ. <laughs> also, get owned fish when I just claimed you universally have bad pussies, I guess. <laughs> So, the Milsha of 14 years ago we spent a weekend was not the actual past. It was a UMN dive into Xion's subconscious, which resulted in her her re-remembering that A, Joachim Mizrahi was actually a really cool dad. Why did she know this? B, Suo Uzuki was also a basically single dad, trying his best and mostly succeeding. C, Kevin Winnicott was worse than we ever knew on about 10 levels. D, (laughs) Cosmos is stone cold when her new creator's lives are on the line. And E, Xion summoned the Gnosis, like an actual history. Whoops. Xion doesn't have to know this. She just needs to know he's been there because in previous UMN dives, like recreations of the past have reacted to the people diving in there. So 
she doesn't need to have known that. She just needs to have known what kind of person he was, which makes sense because he probably babysat her once in a while while her dad was working. That mm. is the funniest mental image. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Especially. Just especially her watching him shove yourself. a bunch of people into a juicero to, like, get some just <laughs> biomatter for her this <laughs> other daughter. Mm. This is where babies come from. Fuck. <laughs> 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 oh my lord so we resume after last desk's whiteout event with the elsa floating through empty space everybody comes to no worse for wear it just it feels so weird to be back in like normal space time again because we spent literally half of disc one in a dive of a recreation of the past fucking also known as two months of our lives yeah. yeah yeah but like fucking like i came back to this and being like Wait, holy fuck, Kanan is still here? Yeah. I haven't mm-hmm. thought about Kanan in a long ass time. What whatever happened to Doctus? Where's Doctus? Yeah, Doctus fucking is, I'm pretty sure gone. Yeah, no, That's Do- so Doctus, weird. Do- Doctus feels like a casualty of the oh shit, we have to finish this now. Uh because yeah, she's fucking just nowhere outside of that intro cutscene, basically, and that intro mission. So everybody seems fine, but then the sensors come back up and Holy shit, boom, Abel's Ark has followed us into normal space. It's not just in that dive anymore. And it proceeds to spit out an enormous shockwave and vanish into the UMN. It's like the center of Abel's Ark is larger than a planet, and then it extends out far beyond in both directions in these like weird tendril arms. It's enormous and spooky. So, it's very <laughs> because this shaped. shockwave... It is, yeah, uh, if butt plugs were hollow, I guess. Uh, Some of them are. Anyway, (laughs) but (laughs) the shockwave that it creates merely knocks the Elsa off course, but also just completely disintegrates the nearby planet. You know, I'm just thinking there has to be a bad dragon equivalent, but for sci-fi, right? That has to exist. Oh, yeah, there are definitely custom dicks. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, yes. Okay, okay. I didn't even think about it from alien perspective. I was just thinking, like, like weird, like, you know, because, like, <laughs> Abel's Ark is just, like, so spiny and strange. It would make a very bad butt plug, right? It wouldn't be fine. Eight best alien it, dildos yeah. reviewed spring 2022. I was going to say, <laughs> the thing that kicked off going to alien stuff, Mass Effect, when you could make a custom Asari pussy. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, this one has, like, okay. lizard underbelly ribs on the bottom. I don't know about that. Yeah, that's how a lot of them are designed. Anyway, thankfully, the Durandal was nearby and moves to pick our cast up. And also, helpfully, the Durandal has sensors <laughs> on it that can help us narrate what's going on in the universe as the result of this. Chris, Listen, what is it? I'm very slain by the question, what's the best lube for alien dildos? <laughs> <laughs> Glow in the dark, obviously. <laughs> Is there a question? Bioluminescent. It's so fucking funny to me. <laughs> I gotta clean up my browser history later because my wife uses this computer. <laughs> Yikes! Hold on, Etsy. Let's go. Etsy dildo uh-huh. seems like a bad time. No, I've done that. Oh my god! This one you can squeeze it. It's eggs come out the tip. Yeah, oh! Those are a whole thing is toys. Uh, no! Mm-hmm. Oh no, mm-hmm. this one's just yeah. shaped like a wolf with the knot. No, thank you. Yeah, no, the eggs will dissolve inside you. They're gelatin. 
Now wow. my Etsy recommendations are half dildos and half Magic the Gathering paraphernalia. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific kind of guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Well, anyway, we're learning about what's actually going on because the Durandal can tell us that, thank God. Abel's Ark has started heading through the UMN to the UMN columns. Meanwhile, spitting salt waves everywhere and basically, like, annihilating, like, the universe as it goes. And, like, the shockwave that just disintegrated a planet is said to be uh, akin to the effect of a gnosis touching a human. And it's just, like, they basically say in the next, like, 72 hours, the whole Federation universe is going to be, like, salted. Fucking mm-hmm. owned. Absolutely absurd, the scale of this thing and how basically people are just kind of chilling. Well, it's weird because, yeah, it feels so disconnected. It's like Xenosaga 1 felt like a space opera where the stakes were enormous, even though we were only in like three planets that were in different corners of the Federation. The game made you feel the cosmic scale. Here, it's been so focused on a bunch of extremely important character work that once the, oh god, the universe could just totally disappear, plot kicks in, I feel incredibly disconnected from it. There's definitely that whole, like, thing where the scale is so big. I mean, at the beginning of this, we were just learning that the Gnosis were just gobbling up planets that's like billions and billions of lives being lost every second or so and Mm -hmm. it's like people are just kind of like mildly concerned about it like you know you you could kind of make this feel like oh no this is a climate change thing we're like oh we're just mildly concerned that everyone is going to die eventually but let's flip this around at the start of the game we were being told gnosis attacks had escalated on outlying systems, basically the most remote parts of the Federation. Mm. This is not that. This is a massive bioweapon that glasses planets is now running along the main street of the Federation, just uh-huh. wiping places. Yeah. It just, it feels, I know that we're at the beginning of this, basically, but it it felt so much like telling, not showing. Yes, yes, yes. Here, and that, I think, is what it's... It just... I don't personally feel the urgency yet, even though the game is communicating that to me, I guess. Like, really, what they should have done is there should have been, like, a really pulled-back shot of, like, Federation space, like a Federation space map, and then you just seeing just the planets, like, disappear, or, like, these are the ones that are gone now, Mm. you know, in the last, like, two hours, and showing the trajectory of, you know, Abel's arc through the UMN, like, that would have sold it to me. I think that would be a little over the top for how Xenosaga usually presents things like this, because it usually prevents large-scale catastrophe from the individual perspective. Right. But right now, there's just no perspective. And I, you know, that could change, but it just... Usually, Mm -hmm. this game has been very good at making emotional beats land by centering them within characters. And here we don't really have a character for, oh, the universe is going to be wiped out in three days. Mm -hmm. So when we get a little later in this, I want to discuss this, but for now, I'll hold back. I think in a longer game, like the non-compressed version of this, that character would be Yuli. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Well, speaking of Yuli, she is on the ship, and she lays it out to us that Abel's Ark was in the Y data that they had, and that it seeks the Eternal Circle, Zarathustra, 
And this is where I go, like, okay, the plot nouns are here <laughs> again. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, like, you didn't mention that before, that we knew this before. Uh, we knew that the bad guys knew this. But, right. anyway. Well, but remember, you know, Yoaki Mizrahi was her hubbo. Like, so, you know, sure, she, sure. she knows about the white data and shit. Mm-hmm. Imagine how irritating it would be being married to Joachim Mizrahi <laughs> as he's creating the Y data. I imagine yeah. it's like going to bed with Chris Taylor, who will not shut the fuck up about his nerd shit until he's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, okay, the, the thing that bothers me about this MacGuffin is that nobody just says Zarathustra. They always say the eternal circle Zarathustra, as if it were like the silver millennium crystal or some shit in Sailor Moon. And like, then, and then <laughs> really later funny. on... Later on, someone calls it the womb of the saint. They're just like, they're giving us so much of this like noun bullshit right now. It's uh yeah. it's very funny. I do speaking of that though, I want to give a shout out to one of Yuli's lines here for sci-fi bullshit babble of the week, where she asks, where they they start talking about, you know, Abel's arc just you know, salting planets, and she goes, are you saying it's a synchronicity chain phenomenon? Beautiful line. <laughs> oh, what is that? Does that it matter that we know what this one. is? Yeah, that was in Zeno <laughs> Saga 1, please. I, I forgot. Okay, okay, yeah, sure. I, I'll give I've you that. forgotten about these synchronicity chain phenomenon. I'm sorry. It was... Um, <laughs> was it in it the was, database? It was in the database as the proper noun for what it's called when you get turned into salt. By the Gnosis. Oh. Oh. That's such okay. a bad name for that. It really is. Yes, yeah, salinization is right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. because uh-huh. because you're hanging out with a bunch of stem dicks on a spaceship. Of course it's a name like yeah, that. True. All right. Fair. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, like, you know, if Junior were there, he'd be like, no, fuck that. We're calling it salting. Sorry, <laughs> like, I'm just imagining a women in stem poster, but it's like Shion cr- curled up crying in a bed. Uh, anyway it turns out that because of this because it's going after the eternal circle Zarathustra its destination is planet Mictum for reasons we do not know it's very funny to me that this amounts to nothing having read the spoke Zarathustra a lot this amounts to nothing this is just a cool noun well, right. I'm so They're... glad I didn't actually read it as per your suggestion. It's a good book. Well, Fuck off. I told you to read it because it's not a, a good book, not because it's content, Matt. They're using it. They're using it for, I think, more for like the Zoroastrianism, right? Like symbolism more than Nietzsche. It's just it nicely dovetails with the fact that Nietzsche's just been, you know, like the mascot of these games. We come back to Dmitry Yuryev and the Salvatore faction. Has anyone forgotten about the Salvatore faction? I did not. Yeah, I, I fucking the, did. I read the database, so I have not. Uh-huh. No, I, I, I remember them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I also, I was just was like. going to have to. Yeah, I, it was, I, this is, so, <laughs> uh, there are so many fucking villains and they're all so <laughs> interchangeable. They all just like, they make deals with one another and then they betray one another. And it's just like, you know, who's stirring the pot this time? Who's got their fingers in the jars this time? It kind of doesn't matter. There's basically four, right? Right? Like, yes. I think we've gone over this before, right? Because it's there's Ormus, there's uh, the Salvatore faction, there is Ormus oh, is the Utic offshoot that Margulis is with, right? 
Wrong. Ormus is the, the other way head around. cult that runs Utic. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, there is whatever Wilhelm's doing. Wilhelm? Just Vector. Right. Vector. Right. And then question, I guess, and Wilhelm is the Testaments, right? He, yes. Those right. are all the same group. And then, right. Oh, God, there was a fourth one, and I'm totally blanking on them now. <laughs> So if we were to make Milsha. an org chart, everything is technically a subsidiary of Vector slash Wilhelm, right? Because that's right. where the Ormus money comes from and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, oh, the church, right? No, yeah. sorry. The immigrant fleet is separate from Ormus, or is it part that's of Ormus? That's right. Ormus is... It is a subcontractor of Ormus. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll count that as part of Ormus. So there are like three major factions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, then, and then there's Udu itself, right? Which isn't, would you call Udu a villain, or would you just call Udu, like, a force of nature that happens to be doing a lot of bad shit? I would not describe Udu as a villain. Yeah, I wouldn't describe Udu as a villain, but Udu does cause a lot of wide-scale destruction in the game. Matt Voice, would you call her her King Katrina a villain? (laughs) Fucking Hadrian Voice, of course the wind can be evil. (laughs) (laughs) Yuriev says that the Zohar has become active, which he can feel because uh, he's living in a URTV. And we now know that this is a thing that just happens in your DNA. And uh, because all of the Ormus guys have that, right? Yep. And Sellers is here also, I guess, musing on who Abel is. Don't forget, Abel's still here. We have a character we know the name of that we have yet to introduce in the plot, despite being two dungeons away from the end of the video. Yeah, we have. He, he guided us through the dungeon that was the dumpster. I know. But yeah, but I'm we don't s- know shit about him. That's really. what I'm saying. Yes. He's not like become a character character. He's just a guy we know. Sure. All right. Yuria uh, says, we- well, the seeds for Abel were planted pretty heavily. It was like, oh, this person's going to be important. And we got stuff about, like, you know, his connection to Omega and the fact that he's a weird, spooky, new type kid. But anyway. He's been Abel. around since the time of... Redacted. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about that? We haven't found out it's the time of... Redacted. Yet. But it's the time of... Redacted. Uh-huh. Yuriev says that Abel has been around for ages since Yuriev was a UMN space pilot. The boy was always kept in an isolated facility. Sellers is like, this seems uh, a little weird, given that that was several hundred years ago. And uh, uh-huh. Abel is still a kid. He's been avified. <laughs> so I want to point out that. OK, so this is going to be kind of like Xenogears and Perfect Work spoilers, but Abel being a kid from planet Mictum, where experiments were being done between humans and the Zohar, is exactly in perfect works verbatim like that as something that is like a prequel to Xenogears. And then, you know, Abel ends up being reincarnated eternally into Feifong Wong, who's in love with his mom. Anyway, it, like his eternal mom. Regardless, what? this is probably where the perfect works nerds are going to be like wooting the hardest because this is it's like finally extremely concrete like oh okay they're telling a retelling of the story from perfect works that it's just i want to point that out that like mictum abel zohar experiments verbatim all of that uh, oh and also using mictum to find lost jerusalem all that shit is in perfect works Maybe I should yep. cheat at Xenogears. 
Just turn off all the what? encounters and level max out oh. all my stats with Cheat Engine or Game Shark or whatever. Because that game yeah. sucks to play. Sucks big ass. Mm-hmm. But I would like to. Yuriev is like, that's not a big deal. I'm also hundreds of years old and look at how fucking <laughs> tight I am. Let's go. And <laughs> Sellers is just like, you are pros- prophesized in the data Bible, dick. <laughs> and Sellers also says, Abel is mentioned in the pre-UMN records, meaning he comes from that era, which we don't know about yet. We'll find out soon. Yuriev doesn't care, though. He considers Abel an indispensable partner, and he's the only one who could help pilot Omega and help, quote, challenge God. Hell What's... yeah, we're here. We got there. <laughs> the, it, we're going the God. only game where it's not a literal God, and it's the Debbie Urge instead, it's very funny to yeah. me that they just call this out directly in the only game where it's not actually true. <laughs> they just tweeted it out. They just tweeted it out. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, Dmitry Yuriev, master of subtlety. <laughs> he has the mo- he has the best villain voice. It's incredible. Uh once they get the Zohar to power the to power Omega up and obtain Zarathustra as well, they can just plop all these things together and fight God. And it's just, hey, we're finally in a JRPG now. And then he's the seller just says, Do you seriously intend to fight God? And Yuriev is like, <laughs> I- you'll see, check it out. I took a screenshot of that. I, I meant to share it, but I didn't know when y'all were going to play it. I just was like, I love that. I love it when you just call it out like that. This this whole... this There were like four or five extremely self-aware... Or oh, yeah. felt yeah. like self-aware elements in this episode. Just all like, of them sellers. Well, not all of them, but well, a lot no, of them. Because the, the part... I guess this was last episode, right? Where uh, Shion talks to... Um, talks to Nephilim, and she's just like, are you just going to show up and, like, no, that's babble a bunch of cryptic that's shit? This and leave? Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That's okay, we'll get, to we'll get to it. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Our podcast could have alternatively been called The God Killers. <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. a real good name. We get to kill Chaos next week, boys. <laughs> I'm so excited! <laughs> yes! I don't know oh, anything God, about that right. game other than I'm going to like it. The oh, yeah. demo, the demo is a fucking train wreck in the most hilarious, best way possible. Not like, the play of it, but like, I yeah, wanna... it plays great, but every cutscene in it is the best. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just an animation priority spectacle fighter, right? Uh, yeah, it's the Neo guys. Yeah, that's yeah, what they make. It's great. Well, mm-hmm. they don't make spectacle fighters. They make like games for like hardcore nerds. And they've also said you can you can play around with difficulty in ways that JRPG fans can complete this, but it'll also get as technical <laughs> as you like. <laughs> so, so that's ass. a quote. That's a quote. Extremely owned. You know, it's funny. You know, I was listening to the um, to the Waypoint Radio episode where they were talking about the Batman, the new Batman movie. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just starting to think of everything as straight camp, right? And it just really mm-hmm. feels like this game is extremely straight camp. Yeah. <laughs> this game's kind of gay. I don't yeah, know. Bro, the fact that- they all hang out and show each other their J.O. crystals. <laughs> I was more referring to the fact that Jack Garland is canonically a cutscene skipper. That rules. I can't believe his <laughs> name is Jack Garland. I just... I can. I get... Uh, just they call like, him Jack? Here's what Mm -hmm. the plot of the game is going to be. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (sighs) So good. Anyhow, 
Our next stop on the Galactic Where Are They Now updates is Pellegree and Margulis at the head of the Ormus fleet. She's pissed off that he's breaking chain of command and moving the fleet without orders, and his excuse is they have Omega over in the Salvatore faction, and now Abel's Ark has showed up. Mm-hmm. She's aghast at this. Abel's Ark? The object said to appear when the Messiah was crucified? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Jesus shit, I just let's look- go. I forgot Dude, that, that, that line fucking was in here. Construction, that sentence construction, though. It's very funny. <laughs> it is the most anime sentence that you could possibly imagine. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. The next one is. Uh-huh. Definitely the next. So it's headed for Mictum, and if the Salvatore faction is moving there as well, Margulis has decided that he's not letting them have the planet unopposed. Because, quote, Zarathustra, the blessed saint's womb, is yes. said to be vital for the return to lost Jerusalem. Okay. Fucking let's go! Okay. <laughs> Imagine how much worse this would land if it was slow rolled over, for like, four more games. Yeah. I just love that it's like, check this out, motherfucker. (laughs) (sighs) I can't believe there was womb stuff. I can believe it. (laughs) But I don't, I didn't want to believe it. I wanted to not believe. JRPG is going to have womb stuff. I'm sorry. There's always got, there's always a womb stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Because you got to kill one and then birth a new world out of the other. Fucking, you cannot put, you cannot put, uh, before that, because yeah, womb sure stuff is, uh, womb stuff is profoundly different than a womb stuff. I'm no, sorry. it's a unit of womb stuff. There's a singular unit of womb stuff. Okay. We're all saying this <laughs> as one word so much that my brain is just filing it in the same part as homestuck. Homestuck, <laughs> womb stuff, whatever. <laughs> also, if you're trying to make the a- womst- Woob stuff is this being Mr. Boob? If you're trying to. (laughs) (laughs) I occasionally look at the comics that get posted in there. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what is going on here? (laughs) Mm -hmm. This cutscene is the first time the game tells us that Abraxas equals Mictum. I would apologize for spoiling this in our first episodes but you would literally not know what the fucking Abraxas was without the context of Pied Piper, so I didn't feel bad giving some weight to this reveal. I don't know what an Abraxas is now. Just another name for the same planet, I guess? Yeah. No, but yeah, what, what, what was supposed to have happened there that I'm supposed to remember from Pied Piper? A lot of the events of that game, that's where... Oh, all of the it. game, got it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, so just, again, never really played Xenogears that much is mictum the planet they were on is that actually the name of the planet in that game no no no, no. so so the uh okay so <laughs> shit the fact <laughs> the fact that abel is who abel is comes up in xenogears and is a really huge part of xenogears but right right his time on mictum and the events surrounding mictum and lost jerusalem were in the planning document, because, right, like, Xenogears was episode five of Perfect Works, and so, right. like, there is a planning document for the first four episodes and also episode six, and Abel's adventures on Mictum and being from Mictum and all that shit was in a Perfect Works planning doc for an earlier game. Okay, so, like, realistically, this would be a reveal to everyone. Like, no one knew this ahead of time besides the developers, right? Right. Uh Xenogears fans did because Perfect Works had existed for a bit. Right. But yes. Oh, it's like 
I keep thinking like, oh yeah, Perfect Works is is a book, right? Like yes, it's just like yes. a designed. They released that as a as a, okay. That's why okay, you don't okay. know about it, Matt. Well, yeah, because it's in Japanese. <laughs> That's definitely what I meant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hmm. You you have no idea how many like mangas I want to read, but I can't because it's only in Japanese. I thought it's you were going to say because it's a book. <laughs> no, I read I read it on my iPad, Chris. It's all digital, <laughs> not a book. Okay. So I feel my Pellegrin. soul in my body, Matt. <laughs> oh wait, I can keep talking. It'll get worse. <laughs> so Pellegrin just goes, and is all of this worth disobeying his eminence? And Margulis scoffs. He's betrayed one pope. What's another? <laughs> Is that what this is about? Is this not about betraying Sergius? Well, right? I mean, yeah. Because I don't is... think Pellegrini knows about Heinlein yet, right? This isn't no, a betrayal of Heinlein. Does. She's talking okay. about you're so is this not a betrayal listening Heinlein to Heinlein's then? orders. Yeah, okay. yeah, betraying Heinlein this time. This yeah. is explicitly oh, saying you're not listening to our boss. Oh, yeah, because he was told to go fuck off and they'll take care of it. I forgot about that. Right, yeah, right. This is, yeah, especially because, like, Pellegrin was drawn to Margulis because of his faith, and mm-hmm. they haven't talked about how his, his faith is flagging because he's realizing he's being manipulated by his leaders. They haven't had that conversation yet. Man, I had forgotten until right now just how terrible Heinlein's voice actor is, or at least, oh like, my the God. voice read. It's just the worst. So, like, I'm oh, wondering God. if we're ever going to see this person in the flesh I hope and not. just we be will. like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Because it hasn't happened yet. Right. I love this. Oh, by the way, is the endgame <laughs> content good? Should I bother going to get these Dakota doors? Um, they give you some fun toys. Like, uh, no. you get the EK Fury summon. I only care, is the end game content good? Like, will it be fun to fight Darker Day Kaiser or whatever? And whatever else there is in here. Uh, there's only two optional super bosses. I would say skip one. Give the Darker Day Kaiser fight one shot and see I'm if I'm not going to do it then. Okay. So, like, what, what level do you have to be to make that a reasonable thing to try to do? <laughs> For the big super one, um, 50 to 60, for Darker Day Kaiser, it can theoretically be done around where we are at the end of this update. So like mid-30s? Yeah, but you would probably have to have the perfect skill point build for that, right? Yeah, probably. It helps if you go in aware. So... Next, we are checking in on Shion and Udu, who are chatting in the Udu My Bloody Valentine zone. And Udu keeps asking questions that seem designed to make whoever it's having a conversation with just, like, go into despair mode. And so, right now, the entity is asking Shion what fills her heart. Is it fear? Is it sadness? Is it joy? She is unsure herself. And uh, so then it presses on the fear angle. It's like, are you afraid of being isolated from the world? Are you afraid of people rejecting you? And she, she's like, no, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just afraid of being alone. She really wants someone to help her, to tell her who she is. And it's fucking heartbreaking. So, of course, we return to the Elsa, where she is now muttering with her head in her hands. And she's begging Kevin for answers to have some purpose before she fades away out of existence. Meanwhile, Jin is approaching her bedside, and which is weird because he's usually men are not allowed in this room at all, I guess, except only in cutscenes. 
And Cosmos uh, has already been there keeping watch. Also, Alan was in this room prior. <laughs> he got That's true. Alan it. has also been in this room. The, the game lied to me. The game lied to me. You know, no, it's also very allowed. funny. Do you know what's also funny is, like, if you are controlling your party in one of the rooms and you switch characters with, like, the select button or something, it'll just kick you straight out of the room. Yeah. Which is very funny. Like, I wonder if there's any, like, speedrunner, like, abuse of this where it's just like, oh, I don't need to cross the room again. They're just going to hit the button and it'll kick me out. But anyway, she sees Jin and berates him for getting in her way, saying, if I had just gone with him, maybe I would have been happy. And Jin... Just has a single brutal reply of, do you really think so? And then she goes on the offensive, suddenly turning this into, uh, I'm going to die like mom. Don't you care at all? When he Mm. says that, like, yeah, no shit. I care about you. You're my sister. She proceeds to go, uh, well, then let me go to Kevin. Don't take anything more away from me before I'm gone and just get out. That made me feel extremely bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh This is so... So well done. Like, she's being fucking messy and awful, but in an extremely understandable circumstance. And this scene just twists the knife so hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, yeah, she's, I mean, I don't know if, have the, uh, like, the stages of grief been, like, debunked or whatever? Is that not a thing anymore? Because, I mean, it just feels like she's, like, wrestling with her mortality in a way. it's just a model for processing. It's not really a debunk. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, fair enough. I don't subscribe to uh, whatever psychology today or whatever, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, like she's definitely wrestling with her, her mortality. And yeah, you can definitely feel like if I'm only going to live so long, why do you, why can't I just, you know, enjoy what I can before I die? Well, and also, and you know, I want to go into this in more detail once we're like finished with this whole kind of like she on taking stock scene because it's like it's long and there's several scenes in it and it's very powerful. But just like as a person with a lot of history of unhealthy attachments and fear of abandonment and trauma related to those two things, this scene is so fucking real, especially for, like, a PS2 JRPG. This, it, mm-hmm. it captures the dynamic of a person who's going through a whole bunch of world-wrecking shit and is terrified of being alone, and the way that those kinds of people can lash out at the folks who are trying to be there for them. It's just, it is so well-rendered. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. The thing that this scene makes me think about is how there's probably not a better version of Xenosaga that could be made because if this is drawn out much longer, this doesn't work as well because then the series doesn't turns into not being a character study about just completely focused on Shion and it's about like giant space aliens, right? Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could see I mean, that for sure. I mean, you would have to like really slow roll her sort of descent into this uh, this attitude, right? Like, you would have to be very careful with the script in order to do that. Right. So but... I'll throw this out. A more fleshed out game doesn't have to slow roll the Shion stuff. It just has to give developing arcs to some of the characters who we've forgotten as more mm. runtime. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, like <laughs> like Ziggy. But that does, like, that would like stretch out the, for example, this entire 
from the UMN portion, like if we're to assume that's just one game, not having all that stuff happen in the span of three hours, I think would really detract. Do you know what's funny? Like just thinking about like, how would you do this with, yeah, (laughs) like thinking about how to do this with all the other characters, you would have to have different characters arcs end at different times. So that like what, one of them goes through the other side of their arc and then like kind of, Attain some sense of, you know, not yeah. You do it like a final fantasy. Well, well right. you, yeah, but you would have to then that character would then have to be like, hey, look, I just went through something like that. Let me give you some perspective, you know. And well, Shion would be the linchpin of it. But Ziki does never get character time. That's interesting. Right? They did that with Junior, where they made Episode Two all about Junior's arc, and then Junior in Episode Three fucking sucks. Like. He does the say the yeah, line part lines like, you know, he he goes, damn it and shit a couple of times and like, you know, tries to shoot people ineffectually to get them to stop talking a couple of times. But like he his he's arc a, is done. Yeah. He's and so a, he's just they like Steiner a, him, right? Yeah, they absolutely well, Steiner him. So like I I see what you mean. Right. You the, would have you would yeah. have to have Junior show any modicum of emotional intelligence is the thing. <laughs> and he does not. He does right. not display any sense of self-awareness or realization that, like, you know, he's grown as a person. Yeah, you couldn't tell the difference between him at the in, th- in this game at all versus, like, the beginning of 2. Junior right. got the character development of not liking to read because he also has access <laughs> to the database and is still somehow surprised that his brothers were built to kill him. Despite me having known that for like three games in a row now. Also, just because I did look it up, the world record for a Xenosaga episode three speed run is currently 448.49. And the runner says that a lot of it can be improved still, but new optimizations pushed it under 450. Yeah, I oh, cool. Nice. I have fucked I around with it a little bit, and you can do it in like six very easy without trying too hard wow that's where a lot of people on the leaderboard are the longest is a 931 but most of them are sub five only this guy has pushed it below that yeah it's because six because you can pause and the timer doesn't count and you could just follow a guide for your first time and get a six Mm-hmm. Also, cool. uh, something that does help is the top runners run this on a backwards compatible PS3, which gives load time boosts. Yeah. Interesting. Oh. Uh, there were a bunch of PS2 games that were not hard coded to the specs of the PS2, but were programmed to address all of the resources that the system had. The most big example of this to me is like Odin Sphere, which has zero slowdown if you play it on a fully backwards compatible PS3. Mm-hmm. Huh. But is a nightmare wreck on a PS2. Yeah, that's what I heard. So that makes sense so to me. Basically, somebody somebody needs to run that in an AGDQ or SGDQ at some point. I would watch that. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine that would be a terrible run for commentary. They're never gonna do that. Ever. Look, they, they just did Final <laughs> Fantasy 13, which by the way, that was, and they did Final Fantasy 8, which was a nine-hour run. Like well, no, they could squeeze it in somewhere. Because people know what Final Fantasy 8 is, buddy. 
<laughs> right. Like doing Xenosaga 3 in particular is just like, oh, okay, we're going to speed run the best game in the series that you need two games worth of context to even understand yeah. a little bit of. No one's played it. And so like no one is going to have good, clever commentary. And so they may as well just like put the, the fucking plaid shirt Tomba guy on there. <laughs> Who's the plaid shirt Tomba guy? Oh my Ryan's God. talking about. Um, so during the Tomba 2 speed run a couple of years ago, they got a guy up there who didn't know shit about Tomba 2, and I don't even remember why he made it onto the couch, but he was making the world's most asinine commentary the entire time, and eventually, eventually, the person doing the speed run, who also didn't know this guy, and was getting, like, less and less patient with him the whole time, just said, I would really prefer it if you didn't talk. Oh, brutal. Really. It was one of the last in person GDQs, and it was probably the most nuclear a runner ever was on an assigned commentator. Was that that better or worse than the Doom guy from last year? Worse. I don't know if I. Yeah. I don't know if I saw the Doom guy from last year. You don't remember the awful Edgelord fairy? Oh, Oh, right. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I, I I think Tomba 2 guy's worse. Cause but, just because it's just like, he was sucking all of the air from the room every time <laughs> he spoke into the mic. That yeah, guy, because it was guy. at midnight, was real mods are asleep, invite this guy hours. <laughs> <laughs> the Tomba 2 guy is the worst commentator that was on a couch who did not get banned for their commentary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, that was 2014, apparently. That was a while wow. ago. Yeah, I knew it was a, a while back. back. Like yeah, I, I was like, I wonder if it's the one I went to. And it's like, no. So I, I went to AGDQ uh, 2019 because it, it was up it the road. Did it smell like you would expect? <laughs> yes. <sighs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> the arcade was cool, though. They had like a whole bunch of like Japanese import cabs. Cool. That's why I've never been to PAX, by the way, is because it would it just smells so awful. Oh, it wasn't it wasn't quite as packed as like probably one of those like big conventions thing also because when you go to pack you pay some uh very bad people yeah also that speaking of very bad people exists what sd comic-con exists if you want the pax experience without the moral ambiguity not interested in super deformed comic-con sorry (laughs) (laughs) good well played so Jin does not put up with this abuse and just leaves the room Cosmos asks, uh, says, is it all right for you to leave the room to him? And Jin just says, pathetic. And Cosmos is like, well, you know, Shion's having a rough time and she has a precarious (laughs) mental state and should return to normal in several hours. And he clarifies, no, I'm pathetic. I can't help Shion when she needs me the most. (laughs) Cosmos is out here like she just needs a reboot. (laughs) <laughs> um, I get extremely frustrated with Jin sometimes okay. because he is so self-aware, but also is so stoic and doesn't ever talk about his emotions until like he realizes that he absolutely has to. And so that's just deeply frustrating because it's like, dog, you know what's going on. You're aware. And yet you still fuck things up. Come on, hey, my guy. Well, you I don't have to that, come at me like that, Ryan. Yeah, I was going to say, find that extremely relatable, personally. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing is, Jin knows what is going on, but Jin is a person who has been a combat agent for years. 
Jin never had to learn the language of discussing emotions or counseling someone because he was distant mm. from anyone. I really thought you were going to say the language of love. <laughs> oh, no. That's his sister, Chris. <laughs> Look. <laughs> okay. We That's bet, a fair thing over to this, think that, that you like... were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we we've already established that that Jin is the coolest guy that doesn't fuck. We we know he doesn't fuck. All I'm going to say is that we know what a Jin Uzuki who can talk about his emotions looks like, and it's chilling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do we? Satan Uzuki, baby. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Satan, <laughs> big villain. And yet he's in your party. Yeah. <laughs> Jin says, I'm loath to believe the words of that testament. Very good. Very good. A lot of mustard on the testament there. And uh, it says, maybe we should separate you two just in case what he says is true. But uh, right now, also, you're the only one who can save her. Please, Cosmos, help Shion. And then Cosmos wanders over and tries to, like, de-gauss Xi'an's emotional state. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, th- this, is, this is what, like, trying to do therapy through, like, an app with AI would be like. It just wouldn't go well. <laughs> this is better help if it didn't dox you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Xi'an is so wrapped up in her own bullshit right now that until Cosmos is right beside her... She does not even recognize that she exists. To put this into perspective, Jin and Cosmos were talking like three beds down from her at this room, and she didn't even register it. So, Xi'an just asks point blank if Cosmos is really killing her. And the gynoid gal says her functions have no connection to Xi'an's life force, but she does not want to call bullshit since Kevin did design some of her core specs. At this time, I am restricted from activities which might endanger your life. <laughs> Fucking incredible line. Mm-hmm. Xi'an mm-hmm. asks why Cosmos would protect her, and she gets a very RoboCop response saying, protecting Vector employees is registered in my program as a matter of high priority. So at this point, Xi'an argues back and says, like, no, but this is different. You know, yes, you protect Vector employees, but, like, Cosmos, you protect me specifically. And... Cosmos agrees and is like, yes, Xion, protecting you is my highest priority. She's unsure if it's something Kevin programmed once upon a time, but she does know that like it comes as a direct interrupt from my core module. So it's like deep within that her her Kevin base level functions. Because Kevin well, designed the black box that they cloned, right? Does right. It or have to? It doesn't have to, because remember that like Cosmos is based off of something that they found, right? That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Shion is like, wait, are you talking about, she's like, your your core module, are you talking about your heart? Fuck and off, Shion. just like, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> you know what the core module is. Cosmos yeah. <laughs> is just like, I have no idea how to clarify that. Imagine, go, imagine going to college and still saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is why you don't develop feelings for your fucking Amiga. 
So, like, the, the Cosmos Shion relationship really is fundamentally altered with the knowledge that Cosmos is killing Shion every time that she, like, unloads her power to protect the universe. There's a lot of, like, heartbreaking yearning there. But, God, Shion, she's going through a lot, and she just unloads some shit that, like, I know that I have said to people in my life, too. Not, like, about the Gnosis, but, you know, everything else. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be really weird if it were about the Gnosis. Yeah. Where she's like, you know, she doesn't want to fight with Jin, and she knows that the Elsa's crew are, like, really good friends, and that they, like, all want to help her, and that they mean well, but gosh, they have to hate her, like, you know, it's like, I summoned the Gnosis, and so, like, maybe if I died, all the Gnosis would disappear, and that would fix everything, and just, like... You know, I I feel like I'm a dangerous burden and that I'm the person who led our universe to destruction. And then she's just like, I don't I don't want to be true. Yeah, I know, (laughs) but like still. Not in a real usually usually when somebody says this, it's wrong. (laughs) Well, it's wrong in spirit, but technically correct. So the I'm worst kind of correct. She she's responsible for it in the same way that people entrapped by the FBI are. Well, more specifically, if you read the federal reports, you know that she's not the sole cause. Mm. Oh, I have not read them. Why I collected tell them, me about but that? I have not I'm read them. I'm never going to collect those or, or read them. Okay, so the federal reports are basically a Federation spy who was trying to get onto Milsha and determine what the fuck was going on in Labyrinthos. And they're looking at a lot of questionable characters who pop up during this investigation, like a young scientist named Kevin Winnicott. And I'm not going to dive into it because, again, you all have the fucking game and you all have the database. You can look at them, but... No, I have to go collect them. I'm not going to do that. You have the fucking database FAQ. Google it. Uh, In short, some of the questions it points out are... The Gnosis are already a thing in the galaxy, even if they're just on the fringes. That's why we're already developing anti-Gnosis weaponry by this point. There's also this Kevin Winnicott who has designed the core specs for some kind of anti-Gnosis, anti-something, he doesn't know what Udu is, workstation. Like, we saw the proto-Cosmos specs, but it's like, Why the fuck does this guy have this? What is this meant to combat? It asks a lot of questions about, okay, so this can't all be Shion. Yeah. Right. Yeah, true. And I mean, like, all of the children, all of the people at that facility that Shion and and her mom were at had the ability to link with Udu and therefore had the ability to connect to the Gnosis in some way. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that was the whole point of the thing, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shion's just the strongest ever seen. Right. So, this whole big, messy, emotional outburst ends with, I I don't want to be alone. You'll stay with me, right, Cosmos? Please don't abandon me. Don't leave me. It's just fucking, ugh. And so Cosmos comes over and, you know, gives her a robot hug, and Shion hugs her back, but then totally kills the moment by muttering, help me, Kevin, into her stomach. And... An interesting note in the undub, very briefly, is that she says Kevin instead of Senpai for one of the first times here.
And then Nephilim shows up and says, what if you quit being a bitch, though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that, yeah, because that's exactly what happens. Uh, <laughs> Nephilim shows up and just tells her, look, Shion, don't reject everything because that will leave you alone. <laughs> Fucking duh. And Shion's reply to this is a very plain spoken. Like <laughs> <laughs> like Shion's reply to this is just, "What do you want? Are you just gonna come here and say a bunch of cryptic <laughs> things and confuse me? Yeah. You appear in front of me, say whatever you feel like, then watch without actually doing anything." And everyone yeah. who's playing this game goes, "Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what I've been thinking for this entire trilogy." This game knows what the fuck it is. <laughs> I just love how, like, yeah, this is the episode where all the pretense is being dropped and it's becoming like, oh, come the fuck on. Really? Are we still doing this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just Nephilim pointing at Shion making the wrap it up motion. We, you guys, we gotta do this <laughs> the rest of the game now. Yeah, yeah, no, seriously. Nephilim doing a jerk off gesture is such a good mental image. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, uh, you know, Shion apparently either forgot or is unaware that Nephilim had explicitly appeared to prevent a catastrophe earlier. I take it that was game one. I'm no, totally I was saying blanking she on just was. showed up and said, look, Shion, don't do the stupid thing because that would be stupid. She's not even being cryptic right now. She's just like, don't reject your friends or you will have no friends. Th right. I'm quoting this directly. <laughs> I'm not summarizing. Uh -huh. No, I know. And, <laughs> and she has just like, really? The power of friendship? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, Nephilim is being very blunt right now. Like, yeah, yeah. Kevin, this is yeah. A, Kevin your girlfriend you, keeps going back to her. Yeah, Kevin will help you, but he will blow up your girlfriend. <laughs> this, well, I was going to say, this is your friend who keeps getting back with her messy ex. This is you trying to tell her, look, he's going to hurt you again. He mm -hmm, doesn't mm -hmm. want you. He just wants that pussy. That's all. He, Nephilim is just showing up to say... This is a terrible idea, but I am your friend. <laughs> I've seen sex in the city. If you keep going for it enough times, it'll work out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mr. Big died on a bike. Yeah, it worked out. Look at up. Think, look how much money he had. That worked out. <laughs> Chris out here being like the true happiness is money. That's right. Improve <laughs> your material conditions. <laughs> Marrying a rich uh, old guy who's going to die is praxis. Improve our material conditions at pitchdrop.cash. That's right. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, joining our Patreon is praxis. You heard it here first. These monsters aren't free. Yeah, Nephilim says it's true that he needs you, but he doesn't necessarily seek the same thing that you seek from him. The salvation he brings might not make you happy, which is exactly what Jin just told her. Shion replies, even if that's true, I still want to see him. I want to talk with him. And Nephilim tries one final time to save her from just hanging out with the biggest dickhead in all of the known universe, saying, <laughs> if you go to him, you will have to choose, and the choice itself will be difficult and painful for you. Do you still wish? And she's just like, yes, fuck off. <laughs> she I need Nephilim off. It's great. <laughs> I need Kevin just like he needs me. It's like, Gabriel, please, I'm busy. Shut up. She is messy. Nephilim just says, what Kevin Watts is Abel, the Zohar, Cosmos, and you. And Abel is currently part of the Omega system for Dmitry Yuryev's ambition. 
set Abel free from his curse, and if you do, Kevin will appear once again. A huge threat. She then vanishes because even a millennia-old so species-wide subconscious ghost is just cannot put up with this bullshit. <laughs> left, left the oven on. Gotta go. <laughs> Still can't believe his name is Kevin. Like, this is a place where, like, Kevin will appear. It just doesn't have any weight to it. Alan has been with our party since the first cutscene of the game. If we had titles, the last podcast episode would have been ta- titled We Have to Talk About Kevin. Of course. We need to talk about Kevin. I don't know. Get no, the name That's right. copyright infringing, please. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now we are cutting ahead in time a little. The Durandal is in hyperspace. We've already picked up the Elsa. And we cut to Junior on the bridge going, oh, so that's what we missed. <laughs> Just saving us <laughs> the time. Oh my God. Thanks, Junior. <laughs> Doing God's work. The 100 series is around the bridge inform us that Ormus and Yuriev are battling over Mictum and have been for hours. Jin asks the more reasonable question. Hey, what's going on with the vanishing planets? The answer is not amazing. Approximately half of the Galaxy Federation is gone. What? This uh-huh. is one of, like this is where this is some of the most Xeno Gears successor slash predecessor yeah. because um if you know what happens to humanity in disc two of that game we're there <laughs> you know, well it's not it's not just disc two it's also what happens to humanity pre disc one in the opening cutscene well yes but right <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Right. By the end of that game, it ain't looking good for a species. No, not at all. So Abel's Ark has stopped its rampage for now, though, reappearing in normal space and heading for Mictum, as everybody suspected. The Merkaba is in pursuit and will reach it in under two hours. The normal finished Merkaba, for the record. Mm -hmm. Yes. It takes a phone call to Helmer to let our party figure out that Yuriev, who has the Merkaba, Omega, and Abel, is after the Zohar? Who and could have seen? Probably, yeah, and probably whatever's on Mictum, too. Right. Please, it's the womb of the saint. Put some respect on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Junior then says, listen, Dad is deathly afraid of Udu, and has been ever since he learned about Udu, and... It has dedicated his whole life to taking down Udu, and since getting in contact with, the, or since recovering the Y data, that gave him a concept of how to kill Udu, and he'll do anything for that. It's very in like this is a mm. good motivation for Yuriev. This is the fucking thing about Yuriev is that on paper I love him, and being, being a in practice, Sorry, go ahead, yeah. And in practice, it's just like, oh, who the fuck's he? And then, you know, he has some good moments, but he should feel a lot more central to all of this than he does, especially with the reveals about designer children that we're about to get into. And he does not feel nearly as developed as any of the other villains that have been given significant screen time. He just kind of appears out of nowhere and then is like an ultra major player. The guy. He's Yeah. And again, like... On paper, he's got a great motivation. He's got a great, fascinating backstory. He ties into a lot of the themes that this game is wrestling with, but he feels like a victim of truncation. Yuriev's like backstory is the theme of the game, which is being a spaceship pilot will put the fear of God in you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this conversation with Helmer ends in on an extremely bummer note where he's like, 
I'm sorry the Federation can't lend more help, but we're using all of our remaining military ships to evacuate Second Milsha. And even then, there might not be enough time to do that in case the planetary disappearance phenomenon reaches us. So this is probably my last call. I'm sorry I'm asking so much of you, even to the very end. Representative Mizrahi, referring to Yuli, I leave this in your hands. And then the signal abruptly cuts out. I just want to point out here that this is the only line that explains why the Elsa was fine. Whatever Abel's Ark is doing is disintegrating planets, but it's not just an all-range disintegration beam. Ships seem to be fine. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, and also, again, Xenogearsy, uh, it turns out that they can transport horrible things on a ship if even if it goes <laughs> a little wrong. Right. This is really just here to explain why you didn't get telefragged immediately. Essentially, it, yeah. It kind of is, but it's also a way to say humanity can still exist. They're just going to be up shit creek currently. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, in the plot, if that was not true, you would have been annihilated the second you left normal space and Abel's Ark appeared and then get, went into the UMN. Mm-hmm. Fair. So, Shion arrives on the bridge with Cosmos in tow, who has gone back to not speaking. There's a brief kerfuffle of the crew going like, hey, are you sure you're good right after your breakdown? And she's like, it's not the time. We have stuff to do. I'm fine. Fucking fine. And so, the plan is as follows. The Durandal is going to gate out beside Mictum. The Elsa will be deployed the instant they reach real space, and the party will land on the Merkaba and try to thwart Yuriev's scheme. I love that at this point in the trilogy, the ship being good enough and the crew being capable is just a foregone conclusion, where, like, in episode one, it was seen as this, like, rickety, firefly-ass ship that, like, just barely scraped, uh, you know, survived several scrapes. And now it's just like, no, of course, like, Captain Matthews, Tony, Hammer, they're gonna get that shit done. It's just a good ship, and it's going to succeed. I, I like that progression. It's fun. I'm going to be honest. I have to wonder how many repairs, especially now that the Professor and Scott on board, have given the Elsa Erde Kaiser Tech 2. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, fucking should have. Right. Yeah, God, I love I love the the idea of the professor and Scott just like imbuing everything that they fix up with ancient alien technology. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hammer yeah. would not not hammer. Tony would not put up with that. If you gave Maybe. him more power out of the ship, I think he absolutely would. I don't mm-hmm. know. I feel like Tony is a this is my truck and I like it how it is kind of guy. <laughs> no, nah, he he strikes me as a someone who would like put nitrous on his truck yeah, <laughs> and I feel be he like fucking let's go allow you to tune the elsa <laughs> uh-huh but he had to do it himself that's the thing he has to ca- have it calibrated to how he likes it but anyway 20 minutes into disc two you can now play the game again and that means it's hackox time i swear to <laughs> fucking god <laughs> <laughs> oh. honestly yeah you beat the section, uh, you can get Ziggy's swimsuit. This is the expert world, world four out of six. And you know what? Like, I didn't get to talk about my whole arc on Hackox because when the last world came out, I wasn't on the recording. But, like, I had a real bad fucking time with world three because of some, like, interface bullshit. Because I forgot that if you press, I believe it's, like, l 2 and, oh, sorry, L1 and L2 at the same time, you do a sprint. 
And I only remembered you press one and you do like a fast walk. And there were two levels that you could finish by doing the walk, but you had to be extremely precise with the physics. Oh, God. Like, uh, you know the one where you have uh, either got people running straight through and you have like a like a row of blocks that you can move left and right, sort of either block them or let them through. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a group of the like I didn't have the speed to like shoot people over the gap without doing the sprint and I had forgotten mm-hmm. to sp- how to sprint. So I thought the way to win it was just to knock like there's there's a section where there are like I believe it's like the purple color or whatever like sections on like the left and right but like way at the bottom that like you could get somebody to like ricochet off of the moving blocks to land in those spots, but it's extremely finicky with the timing, especially since when you press a gimmick, the blocks move at one speed, and then when you let go of the gimmick, it moves at, like, a slightly different acceleration arc. And so trying to, like, bat these characters left and right to land diagonally on these little platforms was extremely difficult, but I managed to do it. And this, this whole thing happened, I was... Absolutely furious because I got stuck on a level for like an hour because of this. Matt, you should not play Steven Sausage Roll. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason why I did this to myself was that when you hit pause in Hackocks, you can't pull up the menu. For whatever reason, start button pauses the game and the select menu will open up the like, oh, restart the level oh, here are what the controls are, you know, all of that stuff. But you have to have the game running unpaused for that menu to open. (laughs) So, like, I just kept going pause, and I'm like, how do I I restart the level? I failed it already, and I couldn't, so I just ran the level for another minute and a half until it was over, (laughs) and then having to do it manually that way. But once I figured it out, this this world wasn't nearly so bad. So, like, I've come around to Hackhawks being like, it's okay. Like, I don't love it. Like, I got a little bit of satisfaction out of uh, the one called Palm, where you, like, grab a few of the characters, like, you use the gimmicks to, like, suck them into a hole, and then you, like, just pop them out at the same time, so you get, like, a four times combo, and that's the only way you can complete it. Uh, that one's a lot of fun. Yeah, and it turns out that you don't really need to manipulate the camera too much for most of these levels. You can just set it in one angle, and you're good. Like, if I had to, like, move the camera while also juggling all these other things, it would have been real insufferable. But it, it's not so bad. Matt, you're only two-thirds of the way through. I know. There's there's two more. But, like, I, I expected this to be way harder because of that, like, one stretch where, like, I was doing this the hardest way possible that was still feasible. Uh, like, I, I can show the, le- uh, like, post the, the level that I'm talking about so you get the idea of, like, the hell I put myself through to finish this. But, yeah. Hackhawks. It's all right. I told you. I'm pretty sure you said it was great and not it's all right. <laughs> yeah. That is that's the most positive re- that is the most positive non-you review, by the way, is it's all right. Didn't the other two of you just stop playing it entirely? Yeah, I got yeah. the one thing out of it and I stopped playing it because it fucking sucks. Ryan? Yeah, I played through World 3, which was better than World 2, but it didn't strike me enough to keep going i was like oh okay i see it's getting better but not good enough for me to keep playing there was like one thing i wanted from like world one or it was like a decoder or something is that what it was and then i immediately stopped playing all right 
There's also a lot of new side contact to unlock. You can head to Labyrinthos through Again. the... Yeah. <laughs> if you go to the UMN you know, plate, you can go to Milsha. It's during the conflict. And if you enter Area 13 in there, you can get Segment Address 5, which contains Erde Kaiser Fury, one of the Fury devices. And guess what? This time, everyone can summon him. It's great. <laughs> mm. Still rules. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I might get it just to see the animation. Yeah, I, I haven't done it yet, but I saw that like, oh, yes, Jin can do this now. Finally, Jin has something he can cast. That is useful. <laughs> Jin, do, Jin can cast Raging Sea, and that's all he needs. Well, Raging Sea's a tech. It's not an ether, is the thing. But you, it consumes your ether points. It's close enough, man. It, it, it also does. You're right. You're right. I, I, I mean, that's what I oh. use almost every turn is Don't uh, get jabated, by the way, by the EX skills in the second slot that say recover EP each turn. It's like an 18 mana regeneration spell. It's not just a passive. Don't buy that. Oh, that's not fun. Yeah. Anyway, you can go back to the floating landmass for the big puzzle dungeon. And this is where the party gets separated right at the beginning in a cutscene. You know, this is where you, you, know, you put the thing in the depression, the pedestal of the depression. You go down a level, <laughs> your party gets split up, <laughs> and there are basically three rooms of puzzles where you switch back and forth between which party you're controlling at these crystal points. And one of them involves just hitting buttons that activate you know, platforms moving up and down, which allows each character to move forward. The next one has these light bridges that you can turn on and off, and there's also these sections that have, like, an amplifier that'll make the bridge go twice as far. And the third one has, like, a set of doors, like, switches, like, colored switches, and you have to be careful not to trap yourself or one of the two parties in a room so that they can't proceed. That one's not too bad. I'm rushing through this. It doesn't take nearly as long as, say, like, Neem Ruins, but it's definitely Neem Ruins vibes. It's better That's than That's one that. of the worst things you can say to make me want to do something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a puzzle dungeon, but it's not like a... You don't have to really think in 3D space that complexly in order to do it. Fucking call me when you get SP from an accessory, not XP. Hard pass. Yeah, yeah, because at the end of this, the items, you get three items. You get the drop near necklace, which is medium damage bonus versus Gnosis, and the highest rate item drop boost in the game. So if Rare item. You, rare item. Rare drop item, boost. excuse me. Rare item drop. Also known which as boss fights. Yep. Uh-huh. And you get Angel's Experience, which is a low XP bonus item, which is lame. I, it's not... Yeah, I wouldn't use it. And in the giant, like, sarcophagus, like, stone sarcophagus, you get Chaos's swimsuit. <laughs> yes. And, and, like, that was that was when I went, like, this was not worth it. <laughs> it was kind of fun going well, through the puzzles. The lore, the lore implications, Matt. Chaos was, A, buried in a swimsuit, and B, was buried. <laughs> or, just, or just somebody... <laughs> You know, that he had a swimsuit and that someone thought it was important enough to hide it in a fucking temple. <laughs> yeah, you know, the pharaohs were entombed with all of their servants and their swimsuit. <laughs> it's <laughs> even funnier if you realize that Chaos does not speak during this dungeon. So it's possible nope. that he's like, oh, I know this place. Let's not say anything. Or this entire game. 
Yeah, he doesn't really say much of anything. Not until the ending, no. No. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's he's we're not spoiling anything by saying that he's very plot important. We know he's plot important because of like who he's hung around with for the trilogy, but he's just like this extremely weird like like what if you this is not a spoiler because I don't know what the end of this game is anymore, but like he essentially feels like what if you were just hanging out with your Deus Ex Machina for two and a half games? <laughs> so, Chaos is the I'm an yeah. empath meme, by the way. I just want to point out while we're discussing that the last two times Chaos spoke in a cutscene were kind of ribbing Junior when they stole the vessels of honor. I'm like, oh, well, guess we got to go with the professor's plan. Oh, and saying, <laughs> I'm sorry for how they almost died. Yeah. And yes, talking with Nephilim on the roof in Old Milsha. Yeah, there's like three scenes where he says something that's worth noting at all. Yeah, and one of them is just the word sorry. <laughs> but it's a good joke, though. It's totally it's a great it. joke. Great uh-huh, fucking uh-huh. joke. Yeah, yeah. And then, the, like, the, the funny thing about this is that also, when you get to this room, it tells you you can't go back because she has just like, let's just leave the UMN, and it blocks you. Like, if you missed any of the treasures on the way in, like, fuck you, do it over again. Whenever you're done with all the new content, you talk to Captain Matthews to floor it towards the Merkaba. He'll uh, warn you to tune up the ESs before you go, and um, at this point, Junior's Asher has a vessel of anima again so it can resonate it was extremely expensive and was about 40 minutes of menuing to buy all of this gear for your party and the es's Mm -hmm. and your items because it costs so much money you also have to like go in and sell all the old equipment it's a lot and you don't even need it because i was terrified because i accidentally clicked yes on Matthews's question when I meant to click no because I was just like rapidly tabbing through his text. So I didn't get a chance to buy any new equipment and I was fucking fine. No These guys hit really hard. They have so so much health. The dungeon's they, so easy though. Yeah, this dungeon is so easy. Like I the, think it's just you don't have a you don't have mini bosses or a boss that can like really fuck you yeah. over. I think what it is, is I would be mostly annoyed, not because the enemies do a lot of damage, but because they have a lot of health, Takes a long and it would time, drive me yeah. crazy to do less damage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those uh, those soldiers are really tanky. Before they cast the fucking party-wide protect. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, one of the weird things, though, I noticed is I went to buy more Seven Moons. They're not there, yeah. No, I, is that, I started to get a little nervous when I only had 94 of them. <laughs> I, I only have like 11. I wow. only used like three or four because I'm good at EP management, I guess. Oh, I just let them die. Don't even heal. It's fine. Oh, no, I did. Th- I did that, too, except, well, yeah, no, I, I would do that, too, until they started running really low on EP. But usually by that time, I hit a save point and it's fine. Oh, only in some battles I've actually had to use them. So I, I, have, only, I only bought 15. I have stopped bothering with any healing at all and just mm-hmm. let them die and just spend a turn getting all the EP back. It's fine. Well, the problem is that it, it if you use buffs at all, it removes your buffs, which is annoying. I'm not going to. I don't do that. It's fine. Also, mm-hmm. was the question that you were cut off on, Matt, about to be, did they stop selling it because they banned the fucking poison medicine? <laughs> yeah, that's what I assumed it was. Uh, yep. But does that mean like the only way to buy it now is to go back to yeah. Old Milsha and find mm-hmm. that shop? Yep, mm-hmm. they're so cheap. Just go buy 99 one time and forget about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably do that. 
Kanan will call us from the Durandal, informing us that as long as we can get close, this mission is easy. The Merkaba doesn't have a lot of short-range firepower at its disposal, basically being really like a mobile Tesla charging station for Omega. However, time is pretty short on everything, because Merkaba is already in contact with Abel's Ark. Alright, yeah, so about that, this is Game 5 or Game 6 theory. Kanan and Junior layout in this conversation, despite it not really coming up anywhere... We have basically begun operating as our own independent, minute faction here, and this move we're about to do will piss off everyone. We are moving against the Federation and Vector, Ormus, the Salvatore faction, and maybe Abel's Ark in one swift move here. It's a a really... Not a big deal to me, right? Like, Salvatore faction, that's like six guys. Federation, extremely owned. Vector and Ormus, already hated them anyway. Um, <laughs> it's just, but this is an interesting status quo that we are barely going to explore. Oh, sure. It's just less narratively significant, I think, than they make it out to be. It's also just like very funny that essentially one of the reasons why the space opera has felt much slighter than the character focus is because we're focusing on the eight most important people in the entire galaxy. That's who uh-huh. our like, crew is. And they're just all the most trauma-addled dipshits in the world, which is, it's great that our little mini-faction is like the most significant people in the entire universe well, just hanging out together. I think you mean the seven most enti- important people in the universe and Ziggy. Yeah. Hey, he still has a personal anime rival. He's still relevant. True. I I would love a game where he and Voyager just yell at each other. It would be the Mm -hmm. best. Yeah. It's called Pied Piper, my dude. Yeah, but I'm not going to do that. You literally can't anymore. That's true. We get a wordless cutscene of the Elsa dipping between massive space battle, and in the single cutscene, there's more space shit on camera than every single Star Ocean game put together. Yeah, this, oh my, this fucking, ugh, this cutscene is so good. It's not even that long, but it's so good. It's just like, we now return you to the space battle and progress, and just shit is blowing up everywhere. It there's rocks. some slowdown on an actual PS2 here. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, it's all in engine, right? Like, this isn't yeah. pre rendered. Yeah, you can see the jaggies. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's impressive because they do have every faction on screen. There's no mm-hmm. Federation troops, but you have Ormus ships, you have the immigrant fleet, you have Gnosis, you have the warship. It's wild. It's great. When you kick off the dungeon, it is an incredibly cool little scripted sequence where your lead pilot mm, pours yeah. it into the warship, flying down like an overboosting armored core, running through open spaces until you reach what's clearly docking lights for a larger craft that you follow inwards until you land on some kind of physical space. Yeah, it looks so good. It's sick. I could do this whole dungeon in five minutes. <sighs> All right. The. This dungeon is very clearly where we start to run out of budget in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Absolute dog shit. Mm -hmm. Four screens. Sorry, it's like eight screens, but you start in the middle two, and it is just... You remember how the entirety of Xenosaga 2 was one straight line that where all the quests made you go from one end to the other over three minutes? This is just that, that, but a dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, except every and, time you make one run, a new room is added to the end of the opposite side, so it takes longer and longer. And in some of the rooms that you have to run back and forth across repeatedly, there's a force pushing you in the opposite direction uh-huh, of the way you're trying uh-huh, to go, which because, makes it take longer. Because the, because the thing is fucking spinning. No, <laughs> but when so you dumb. stop it, it still happens. No, the, no, once you turn it off, it, it stops doing that. Yeah. Is that true? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, a centrifugal yeah, force. Yeah. yeah, they turn that off. I did take advantage of the cool. centrifugal force at one point by going to like do some yeah. laundry and make lunch and just let my character slowly slide <laughs> to where I needed to go the whole time. Well, I, the, the funny <laughs> thing about it is that it you you actually do accelerate when you get closer to the edges. Like they not, actually modeled that <laughs> barely. The problem is is that it's there's like two speeds. There's not like a good gradient. I thought that my game was glitching out at first because there's no <laughs> there's there's no like resistance yeah, animation yeah, yeah. at all. You just your start feet don't move. And so it's like, yeah. 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 It's very funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And Cosmos the, the is my party leader, which makes it even funnier to imagine Cosmos being moved by this. Uh-huh. <laughs> we... well, so I do <laughs> want to say that, like, what's disappointing about this dungeon is that the mech sections look great. They convey scale in a very interesting way and do mm. a lot of stuff with a limited color palette. I think that the mech parts of this dungeon, they are severely hindered by the fact that you go back and forth between them like eight times. But I yep, do think yep. that they look good and in parts awe-inspiring. Real robot pervert sidebar. It bothers me a lot that your robots accelerate on an escalator despite not touching the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the whole thing is magnetic force anyway, why It's not. It? Fuck off. <laughs> oh, it's an I'm escalator. Sorry. I'm sorry that I wrote an actual fucking explanation for you. Yeah. <laughs> Non-canon. Just call me game. Mama Tomino over here. Mm-hmm. Not in the game. Non-canon. No, I don't, wh- I'm not interested wh- in your science guy then. What if I go into the fucking science database and find it? <laughs> I will look in the database and find something just to prove you wrong next week. Good. Why don't you, why don't you start doing it now? Because I forgot to get a database entry of the week. I already have one at the end of this, right. because you never do. Good job. <laughs> oh, please, uh, it's been the... one episode, and you told me not to, because you already had one. Yeah, I've done the last three. That's not true. Is that true? That is true. Uh, I feel well, like you've done the last one. Yeah. Okay. No, two. So, Definitely two. Do we have anything else to say about this dungeon before I speed run it in five minutes? Well, I'm not yeah, yeah, describing yeah. the opening chunk, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's why I'm asking. But yes, if you want to start skipping through the actual back and forth of this part, sure, whatever. We have that. Uh, make it through the first room. It's a mostly open area. And you'll be inside a large chamber with a turbine spinning. Junior asks Momo to 100 series observe some shit for him. And she lays <laughs> out a loose map of the area for us. Nice. The turbine and this section of the ship is the power generation for the battleship. This is literally all of the ship we're going to see outside of a cutscene. North of here is the core area where they suspect Yuriev is. Therefore, we need to stop the turbine and make our way into the passage between blocks. Junior will directly say, so first we need to stop this huge shaft. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Women are always saying. To the left is a door to the far plane from the end of FF-10-2, complete with infinite stairs and a Tron-ass laser. You will head to the top, see the path to the core area, currently unreachable, and activate a human-scale elevator on the bottom floor, and this is where everything becomes bullshit. 
Uh-huh. Also, <laughs> how the mighty have fallen with this dungeon ecology and like reasonable layout, because who the fuck would put the only entrance to another area on a centrifuge powering the entire ship? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. So here's it's the thing. It's extremely stupid. There is Do better. Actually, no, no, no. There is actually an entrance to the core area that is a mech scale. We can't visit it until we come back in a UMN dive. Yeah, and like there's an NPC that it just is there to tell you this. And you can see it from above. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, basically saying, like, don't fucking worry about that. Like, <laughs> come back later. The only cool part of this dungeon is the honeycomb area, and that's very yeah. cool to me. Yeah. yeah, the honeycomb is cool, and you blow up a lot of shit, and it's Speaking fine. of stupid well, dungeon ecology. Yeah, it is <laughs> yeah. stupid. But what I mean is, like, mechanically, it's cool. And at first, I was like, oh, this will be a nightmare. But they permanently keep all the doors open until you right. zone out of the section. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, it's like, godsend. it's cool. I like it. Yeah, uh, the one thing that's also bullshit that we haven't mentioned is that there's a section where you're moving between floor two and five via these elevators in a side room. Uh, and like, those nice. elevators only activate once and they're one way. So God forbid you missed something. You have to go through that whole section again. And at least the enemies don't respond. Oh, I had to go through the booster section twice. I had to go through several of these sections multiple times because I just went the wrong way once and can't go back. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. It sucks real bad. So, as Sybil mentioned, this becomes, like, totally bullshit because, essentially, what we're doing is a series of shuttle runs from spot to spot because you have to, like, unlock one thing from the robot and then go all the way back down to the first floor and unlock another thing from the human scale. So, here's the first thing. The top of the elevator, we head both north and south from the central shaft to blow up four locks in each direction. Once we've done this, we can return to the robots, head down, head to the devices for some weird reason, robot scale controls, and shut it down, turning that dynamo into a bridge to the core area. However, this involves a ton of backtracking because, you know, up, down, up, down, uh, and in and out of the robot again and again and again. However, it is not this simple because after the bridge is opened, we are deposited directly into the core area. No, we're Sorry. not. After this bridge is opened, we are not deposited directly into the core area. Instead, <laughs> we end up, and this this name is real, the Honeycomb Protect Area. So our new goal is to retreat from this area, back down the elevator, back to the robots, back to the top, so that we can take alternate elevators that have now been opened to our south. Underneath them is a room which is full of a hexagonal grid of explodable items. Explode them all, because if you miss a single one, you cannot continue downwards. Christo yeah, those are protecting... I mean, yeah, blowing up a lot of shit, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah, these are all powering, like, protective fields that are around the cores in the honeycomb area up top in person scale. So For what it's worth, yeah. this room also has a back exit, and this is where you take the mech scale. This is the normal path people take through this place if they have credentials. I was horrified when you blow up the first one and there's like a five second animation of the shield going down. I was like, please don't do this for all of them. Oh, God. <laughs> that would be infuriating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, you know what would be amazing, though? What if what if there was a way to target all of them at once and you explode them uh. in a chain? That oh, could be cool. I was going to say that's less good, but in a chain, now you're talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So if you just hit all and they all blow up, that's that's boring. Yeah, but like if it just explain like you know like the um, oh like that puzzle in the yeah, uh, what exactly. you call oh love the that, fuse puzzle the exploding fuses. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Something like that. That could have been cool, but I no. But anyway, yeah. Uh, you go back up in person mode, back up to the top. Now the thing isn't spinning anymore, so you can run normally. And then you go into the honeycomb maze. And in each one of these areas, you have to blow up the little core inside of it. In one of them, you'll find the decoder 12 and segment address 11. And if you get segment address 11, you should probably have the decoder by now. Yeah, because I had do. it anyway. And this gets you the sweet pain accessory, which gives you plus one to max boost and recovery and now, ether bonus. Which now is, we're at five. Matt, you yeah, got to start using traps because they give you I, I one did. to two every time. I did, and then I ran out. I used all my traps. <laughs> and then you could... Oh, okay, okay. Here's the thing that made me super fucking pissed. There's a giant robot in the centrifuge. Did you try uh-huh. using a trap on it before you turn it off? Because the trap slides across the floor. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah, the trap slides across the floor. It gets stuck against the other wall, and you can't put down another trap. So you just can't oh, use a trap on the giant robot. Mm-hmm. I, I trapped I, that robot, no problem. I, I laughed. I laughed extremely hard. Also, fuck these robot hitboxes. You can get back oh. attacked from the front. Yep. What? Oh, because they're so big. Because their arms are t- oh, can touch okay. your back so, while they turn. That's we so need funny. To, we need to discuss this. The maze consists of a bunch of hexagon rooms with zero to four exits from each. There should be no enemies in here, and this would be great. And. Each room, you don't see into it until you pop in. It just snaps the next room on screen. However, some of these enemies can be right on top of the entrance when you pop in. So if you don't stop moving the instant you transition screens, you will probably run into an enemy multiple times. I bet this was worse for Chris in his turbo mode. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. I play on original hardware. I'm sure. And I do! Okay, now you do. Buddy, oh, oh, shout outs to my fan mod for all these quiet talking cutscenes where I could actually hear a fucking thing without jacking it up 500%. But there are mech enemies in this whose hitbox is so garbage that yeah. they can literally back attack you from the front. So I figured out what it is. <laughs> it's that... All parts of the enemy have collision, not just their center. Mm -hmm. And if any part of them touches your back, since they're so wide, when they turn, their arm will hit your back and trigger a back attack. I I, I just had the thought of ass up that you could hit it from the front. That's what it is. (laughs) Yep. Uh, shit. Yeah, no, I, I did not have a single problem with any enemy. Every time I entered the room, they were not on top of me, and I was able to back attack them no problem, even without a trap. It's RNG, but it can, it can absolutely fuck you. That's very funny, though. And the thing that's annoying, though, is that the mech parties and the non-mech parties both have mechs in them. <laughs> it's just that, are there other dudes, or is there a second mech? Yeah, and let me tell you, they are so fucking tanky. Extremely. Before yeah. they cast Protect. It makes me so mad. Yeah, it, it is kind of a, a bit of a slog, but, you know, you just you just cast, like, Lightning 3 or Inferno 3 a couple of times. No, and they're, all set, they're all set up to make sure that one you can't hit them all in a weakness at the same time. It sucks. Eric Kaiser Fury. I, but then yeah. I don't get to play the game. <laughs> but you also no. don't have to waste five to ten minutes at a time. 
I, like I mean, it, honestly, though. that's what I'm here for. I, I like the combat here. Like, honestly, I didn't have a lot of problems not hitting the, you know, either focusing on one or the other. I usually have, I prioritize the mech because that's even, they're even tankier. But I, I didn't have any trouble with these guys. It was just kind of a long fight. A thing I noticed here is that Xenosaga 3 is very good at subtly dealing a large amount of damage to you. Like, normally when you get yeah. hit with an area of effect attack, it's very bad and you have to heal up immediately. But here it's like 350 damage to everybody, which is not a lot because all your guys have like 2,500 HP, right? But that's 1,000 dam. That's like 1,000 to 1,200 damage of your total 10. That's like 10% in one shot. It's secretly a lot. And then God help you if you got like debuffed too. And so you're just like, I'm not going to heal this. And then you end up getting hit for a, like a lot. And then it's like, oh yeah, actually this is a well, sting. By a the move named Enormous Laser. Very good. <laughs> enormous Laser was quite good. <laughs> As one final insult to injury moment, the path to the core area is at the top of this maze. But if you reach that room without clearing out all the other ones, nothing will signal what you missed here. But Incorrect. you should just probably know that, yes, you should go through every single door here and blow well, up every single thing in here. <laughs> there is clear signaling here. You just have to notice it. And it's that the doors stay permanently open until you go to a different floor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you just have to, like, literally explore the whole court area on the same hit, floor. Yeah, I, I definitely hit the end door first because... Yeah. The path to that is on the second from the right, and I was going right to left, so I eventually, I had to backtrack, but it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It's just annoying, that's all. It, yeah, yeah, it is a little time-wasty, yeah. Finally, we can proceed across the cool laser hallway into the core area. The laser hallway has, like, a fucking Final Fantasy XIV dungeon-ass, like, zone intro for some reason. And uh, it was so long that I was worried that it would take forever to walk across, but they put you near the end immediately. If you talk to an NPC in the side hallway during in the centrifuge, you might have heard it mentioned that there's treasure here, but you have to come back later. And this is where you can see the ES scale door. And when we go through the door, Sellers is there waiting for us inside. And Jin is immediately in super spy mode, figuring out that, uh, oh, you're how Dr. Yuriev got this all happening so fast. He says, I thought you were trying to get favor with Ormus. Why are you with Dimitri? And he just says, I don't care who it is, but I will make use of all available options to obtain what I desire. This makes Junior very mad, saying, do you realize how many innocent people you dragged into your schemes and gotten killed? And he's just like, save it. How many people did you kill so you could live, bitch? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Sellers just rambles about how he was uh, worse than Mizrahi, this fucking Nero motherfucker. Uh, because later, Junior recovers enough to go back on the verbal offensive, asking where Dimitri is, because saying he doesn't have time for the ramblings of an old man. I just have to say that in the undub, the voice actor for Sellers says URTV with such dripping contempt. It's fucking great. He's just like spitting it at Junior. It's beautiful. There's a, there's a lot of venom on it here, too. Cool. If you had also had to bunk with Dmitry Yuriev for a fucking month, yeah. you would say it with that <laughs> too. Um, I kind of think Sellers' motivation here of, like, my ultimate goal is to build something better than Mizrahi is kind of a bad motivation for, like, such a major power player of, like, this, like, shuffling counter-scheming villain He's sphere. not a Vegeta! He no, he's like a yeah. support unit, please. 
Okay. <laughs> no, but he's like, I want to be better than Kakarot. And Kakarot happens to be Yuriev. And he never does. getting done mad dirty by the compressed nature of all of this because yeah. this cutscene is, is what the we're talking about, Ryan. He's Nero. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, he's one hundred percent. He's Nero. Yes, he's Nero, but without a lot of screen time and a dungeon that you run for an hour every day. <laughs> right. He does, even even has cool sunglasses. Yeah, it is funny when he says, "In the end, I was also a pale imitation of that man." That's a that's a pretty good line. So Sellers is just like, "Well, I don't have a clue where Yuriev is, but you could tell me." Aren't all of you connected? And that's right. Only on disc two does anyone in our party find out Dmitry Yuriev is a puppet uh, Guinan, which thanks, reminder, Junior. <laughs> we found out in the middle of the last. Junior, uh-huh. you had one job. You had one job. Like, to put this in perspective, we have not been able to raise Guinan the entirety of Xenosaga episode three, busy. and Junior has not been more concerned about this. It's like when you forget <laughs> to call your mom. He's been busy. <laughs> he has not been able to call his fucking brother for how many galactic crises and has not been worried in the mm. least. Well, to be fair, for a while, they were stuck in the UMN, but... That's relatable. I haven't called my sister mm. in like a year. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Sellers goes on the okay, layout that Citrine and Guinan... That is, okay, you're right. Okay. That is dumb as fuck. Because they have the mind meld, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's not but like they have a, like so, that's what he's actually. It's saying not a right phone now. call. You could just. It's just they say you have to try hard to not always be doing that. Yeah, that's my point about how stupid this is. He's not been able to reach Guinan the whole game long and has not in any way been concerned right. about this. Hmm. I mean that again, Junior failing to be a character, <laughs> just assuming that the that the boat was a rockin', I guess. So yeah, Sellers goes on to lay out Citrine and Guinan exist as a pair with the purpose of putting down Junior. Reminder, Unit 666. But Guinan... Love it. Uh-huh. Laugh every time. I know. I love whatever they say. URTV model 666. But Guinan had a backup function existing as a body Yuriev could jack. You see, Dmitry Yuriev, in his original centuries-old incarnation was a designer child, much like the modern URTVs, but he was one of the earliest models created in the days of breeding test tube babies for experimenting with the UMN safely. (laughs) Read human sacrifices to test out the fucking jaunt device. Mm -hmm. Fucking right, Jesus. Yuriev was the sole survivor, the sole survivor of the transfer experiments of the thing that we now use daily in galactic Mm -hmm. life. (laughs) How's that survivalist guilt? Damn, being into feet is way more dangerous than I thought. (laughs) And he was the original Salvatore, and his UMN transfer experiment resulted in him linking with Udu, which is why he has a pathological fear of it to this day. But it also made him the first URTV, giving him the ability to transfer his mind to others, which I guess URTVs can do, not that we have seen any of the named ones use that power. They're realians! They're hive minds! They upload themselves, like, when they do maintenance. Of course they can do that. It's just not a thing that they've explicitly called out. No, these these guys are straight-up modified, genetically altered humans. Well, oh, they're not They're not no, realians? No, they're not realians. No! Oh, okay, that's weird again. I'm back on the side of this well, is weird. Well, 
That especially because like the Albedo's whole arc was coming to grips with the fact that his brothers were going to die and he wasn't. But actually, if they had known about the consciousness transfer, they would have been able to never die. But I, it seems like something, okay, so it seems like something that Yuriev kept from all of his kids because he wanted to yeah. do it, essentially. You would think that they would just figure it out by accident, right? You know, kids do shit, right? <laughs> Like, especially psychic kids in a fucking battle. Just imagine, just (laughs) imagine all of the the, the hijinks like a bunch of kids could get up to if they could like mind jack each other and like do pranks. Come on. So we learned that even Yuria was a designer child, which brings all of the stuff about artificial life from episode one back, all the stuff that it's clear that, like, Soraya Saga was really interested in exploring, that comes back briefly because, like, just designer children being created in order for horrific... They're, they're essentially built in order to suffer horrific torture before dying for science. And between that and the Life Recycling Act and URTVs, it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm always glad when some of this game's pricklier questions about what humans would do with artificial life come back up. For what it's worth, just some glossary stuff before we go on with the cutscene. If you have forgotten, Salvators, or Children of the Savior, were an early name for designer children, so now you know what this entire faction is named after. It's the big dick guy in charge. There was a second Salvatore who was added for Xenosaga 1 plus 2 on the DS, who became a member of the council that we saw do things and scheme with Yuriev. He's dead by this point. It's moot. Did he do anything interesting? Uh, yeah, the two of them, basically, you remember how we would have in the first game and a little of the second, a lot of visions of, like, the Federation Council condemning mm-hmm. the attacks by Sergius or our party being censored, etc. Yeah. A, a lot more things were changed around to explain why we should give a shit about any of that. This character, Pierre, was added as a Salvatore Councilman. His and name it, can't be Pierre. <laughs> Come on. Pierre Durian or something. I forget his name because, again, it's been a bit since I've played this. Okay. Yeah. So we also learned that the Zohar emulators weren't just for decoration, as Sellers puts it, (laughs) but that each one contains a record of the wave pattern data for its corresponding vessel of anima, which means that they are like an ignition laser for activating the original. At this point, Junior puts together that they've all walked into a trap which hit me too, which is, this is a pretty good reveal, honestly. Yuriev yeah. wants the Durandal, where all of the emulators are stored, and the vessels. A thing not brought up since Xenosaga 1, mm-hmm. so like, good pull. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the people who could defend it are now deep inside a massive warship, totally well out of reach of rescuing them. Junior goes to take a swing at Sellers, and he just flies up out of reach to be <laughs> especially shitty about this. This is what makes me mad. I'm like, why do you even have a miles long ramp that you made me walk down if you can fly? <laughs> why wasn't there an elevator here? Mm-hmm. I'm petty. Yeah. You can walk down it while I cover. <laughs> so, Junior, so how do you like the ADA now? <laughs> <laughs> so, he's Green Goblin now, also. <laughs> my name is Sellers. I'm the Stair King of Los Angeles. <laughs> 
<laughs> my name's Sellers because I could just fly down those stairs into it. <laughs> <laughs> this is so dumb. Um, <laughs> Junior is like, you're insane. And Sellers is like, duh, you can't change the world without a little insanity. <laughs> Sellers is then like, hey, by the way, there's no boss fight here. I was legit just calling you <laughs> because it's all I can do. Bye bye. Uh-huh. And then he and then he just like flies away. I was God, half I, ready for his wheelchair to be a mech suit. Dude, <laughs> I I, I so was good. I was so surprised that like I was like, man, are we gonna like okay, we beat up the Pope last game. Are we gonna beat <laughs> uh, this guy up in a hover chair? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have been awesome, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, like the chair would be like targetable. Yeah, it's just like a bond car, basically. <laughs> yeah. So it, this this dungeon ends extremely anticlimactically as the party is forced to retreat while Sellers comments that their Merkaba is about to be sacrificed to or absorbed by Abel's art. So this is the last that uh, the game has Sellers on screen. I cannot fucking believe that. Yeah. Unreal. Yep. I'm gonna start calling these out as we hit people abruptly vanishing. I'm sorry. I mean, we should have at least seen him get turned into salt. Right. That would have been good. Anyway, he might live. Fuck, we don't know. He could take an escape pod. You're right. You're right. That, you know, there could be a sequel. He's done voice, and then Seller shows up in Xeno Gears. Yeah. Anyway, we see the Elsa take off from the Merkaba, and we hard cut to the bridge of the Durandal. And Mary and Shelly are there, and they're talking like, uh, Elsa's launch is confirmed, and there's a gate out in front of us. It's Omega! And at this point, the massive Mecha just slams right into the ship, and warships gate out beside it. We immediately see the Salvatore faction troops raiding the ship, killing everybody in brutal fashion, because of course. Big oof on some of these, buddy. Oh, Holy yeah, shit. yeah. They're, like, begging for their lives and just shoots. Like, they cut away, at least. But, uh, yeah. N- there's <laughs> probably hella blood in the undub, buddy. There is hella oh, blood. Yeah, yeah there's the no one, blood here. Um, yeah. yeah, the one where she's on the ground and begging for her life, and they just, like, straight up shoot her in the head while she's yeah. on the ground, and there's just this immediate splatter of blood behind her head on the ground. It's fucked. It's brutal. Oh, oh, because they yeah. in, in the US version, they cut before the shot, so you don't oh. see the shot. They cut to yeah. black over the audio on multiple Yeah, 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 you don't see which the is, violence. Which is almost as good, to be honest. Yeah. Like, this at is, least they is, did it right this time, instead of just doing, like, limb darkening to the screen. I made a joke about this in the notes header, but this is explicitly the UN raiding yeah. nerve and killing mm-hmm. everyone in, in mm-hmm. Aveva. Which, which seems, like, blatantly unnecessary. 
I don't know. Uh, there's a comment in here that I didn't write down, but they say they're heading for the civilian block. So they're doing a purge. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> I because mean, these are the bad guys. Like, but... They're basically the, the only military arm of the Federation left, right? Right, right. Yeah, the Durandal is yeah, in the yeah, so but then why, like, why go after the civilians? They're here to, sh- to cool. shut down this faction because the civilians live and work here and operate the spaceship. The yeah. actual civilian civilians are still living in... What you would call it? The button and that the ship flies the into. Citadel, yeah. And it's already been established that like Yuriev will stop at no cruelty to achieve his goals. Sure, like he's, sure. you know, he's someone who will like not just kill, but like do shitty things to kill in order to ultimately kill Udu, kill the demiurge. You mm-hmm. have to break an egg-shaped spaceship to make a god-killing omelet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everything happens real fast and when Mary and Shelley try to close off the defenses to the ship, they find out that they're being overridden, and it's not a hack. And they realize that there's only four people in the entire foundation that have the codes and, you know, the the access to be able to override, and it's the twins, Junior, and Mary says it outright, yes, the system confirms it. Our intruder is Master Guinan. And then we see him walking up, and he has changed back into Guinan's suit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love it. Well, Love well, it. Good villain the, shit. I mean, here's the weird thing is that, like, yeah, he's not in Yuriev form when he shows up. So is Guinan in on this? No. I'm no. confused. No. Then why, Ga- is he, why is he not white-haired Yuriev when he starts? He makes a comment about that. Uh, yeah. Does he's, he? It went over my head. He's yes. able to shift his appearance still, even though Guinan's consciousness is, like, in the sunken place. Well, it's basically because he, I guess he it's just out. a way to get him in through the door first without getting shot. <laughs> it's not like a, like retina scanner. It's like a hair scanner. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, it's like the it's like the uh, the leftover scanner. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he rides the elevator up to the bridge and walks up to the command post where the twins are. And slowly he leans in towards Barry and says, You've done a good job. You should rest out. And he just fucking pops her twice in oh. the chest at point blank range. Uh-huh. R.I.P. Never become a c- king of com- comedy or whatever. <laughs> and like, I this just... looks real silly in, in the U.S. version because you don't see any blood. Like, did, and she's well, like yeah. talking normally. So like, no, there's, yeah. they zoom in hyper close. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there, this is not a moment of extreme censorship. This is, it, you don't see a whole lot of gore in the undub here. Yeah, they just zoom in so you don't see right. the Damn, shot. Matt's like, I wish there was more violence against women. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Good news! <laughs> God. No, that's yeah. violence no, done I, by women. I was just confused whether or not, like, it sounded like he shot her, but she's not acting like she got shot. She's acting like she got tased or something. <laughs> well, he, it was, it's a gut shot, and those are, those yeah. are famously painful, but take forever to actually kill someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many times has that happened in Monster? Come on, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and most of them have died. Or some of them, anyway. Yeah, but eight episodes later, because everything in Monster takes forever. <laughs> true, true, true. At this point... Not Roberto. At this point, <laughs> despite his two guards... That sex scene was over very fast. He does not take very long. At this point... Despite- <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's why he keeps going out and then taking coming back and taking a shower and going again. <laughs> <laughs> Both done and refractory period. Very short. At this point, despite his two guards keeping her at range, Yuli Mizrahi simply asks, what the hell are you doing? 
And he just, he's just ultra instinct Uriah here just says, you leave Mizrahi. I did not expect to see you around. And uh, <laughs> the twins are both on the floor now, Shelly caring for Mary. But Uriah continues, and he opines at how convenient Guinan's body is now that he's used to it. The twins are like, extreme peak liberalism here, just this is a violation of the Federation Charter. And then he says, yeah, what's Helber going to do about it? Shut up, nerd. And he's here, sir, sir. And uh, it seems he is here for the Arbiter Code, a thing he already knows that is inside the twins somehow. Very uncomfortable voice acting on this line. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, we don't explain what that means in this update. No, we got to finish the fight. As they deny him again, Kanan springs out of a corner on the bridge and just gets kicked out of the air by someone who says, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm number 668, but you can call me Citrine, a character everyone forgot about because she was in one scene two games ago. Mm-hmm. One game ago. Oh, she was in, was it? Was it? Yeah, yeah. No, it was episode two. Yeah, she second. literally didn't exist. Yeah, until yeah, yeah I thought two. she was in one. But it, it, it was, it was, nope. in your defense, it was two discs ago. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like a year of my life ago. Yuriev points out that she's every bit of Guinan's equal in combat. So uh, you already know what's up with that since you hang out with him. So I hope you two talk voluntarily. I want to give a special shout out to one of Yuriev's lines here where he's like, you know, oh, you will talk. And I, you know, so one would hate to see such beautiful faces twisted in pain, which is so much like, oh, okay, there is some like albedo did take after his dad in some in some ways like that 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 part was oh, already yeah. part of yuriev and then transferred to albedo i see i can't believe i can't believe dimitri yuriev wasn't a good guy <laughs> well just that that specific kind of unhinged sadism yeah. but yeah yeah t- touch with a little bit of like sex creep yeah yeah right right that's that's the secret sauce to albedo Speaking of which, missed that guy. Where's he been? I think you mean Albedo's secret sauce. <laughs> Gross. So we're not done with Albedo yet. I but, know. Um, yeah. <laughs> Don't expect much, sadly. Aw. I want all the great music he has. Yeah, he gets done real dirty in this game. I think he's only in three total scenes, maybe four. Oh. Did I play his music? Albedo's music is so good. By God, that's Albedo's music. (laughs) So we cut back to the Elsa. Junior asks about the status of the Durandal. It is not responding to hails. It is visibly surrounded by warships and Omega. And as the ranking free officer of the Kukai Foundation, Junior orders the Elsa's crew to set a course. Matthews is aghast because Omega is right there. (laughs) But Junior overrules, saying he cannot abandon his people. And with that, we're going to leave off for the week preparing to retake the Durandal. Matthew's not even believing in Ham, uh, Tony. (laughs) So, this week's database entry of the week is the EAPF. Thought we were done with womb stuff. (laughs) (laughs) There's always a womb stuff. Since we were talking about designer children, this was the perfect time (laughs) for this. No, this was really good. So... The Educational Artificial Placenta Facility was built to artificially raise the elite personnel who will become the leaders of the future. The genetic manipulation of embryos was carried out 
during the developmental stage in the nurseries of this facility. These facilities existed on most of the galaxy's main planets. Records left from the facilities on planet Abraxas, particularly the ones in Draper, indicate that they raised fetuses using the sperm and eggs of natural-born Abraxas citizens. 18% of the government bureaucracy in the early TC 4700s was staffed by people who had been artificially created in facilities like these. These facilities are generally described as a byproduct of the Life Recycling Act, but the original goal of the law is believed to have been the artificial creation of an elite race with the ultimate mission of linking with the Zohar. The facilities were completely shut down after the Life Recycling Act was abolished, but the technology that they had cultivated as well as the massive amount of data they had recorded was all seized by the Yuriev Institute. Ta-da! Holy shit. The that's There's a lot. So much in that one little database entry. There's so fucking much. Um, I pick things for a reason. Imagine living in a society where you don't even get a chance to join the secret society at college to become like part of the Illuminati. You have to be <laughs> born in a test tube to be that now. <laughs> Fuck. Um, also, what a fucking name. What a yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good name. It's a yeah. great database entry. Good pick. Yeah. Thanks. I would have picked the most memey one. <laughs> No, that was that was Pesh. We did that. <laughs> Reminder: database entry sixty nine. Okay. Oh, is I didn't it really? Know that. No, it is. I told you. I told you that last week. We blocked I it out. I wa I wasn't there. I was busy being traumatized by all the contents of that. Yeah, for real. And then Matt, and then I had to hear it again today because Matt brought it up on the podcast we recorded last week, and I'm editing it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Matt claimed Momo wasn't a good character. Can we yell at Matt? That was a joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mo was a good character, though. Mo was a great character. How's party stuff going? I have everything filled. Yeah, there's not really much to talk about because the, like, the combat in this sequence is so kind of like inconsequential. It's long, but it's not hard. You get a lot of skill points, though, which is what we're talking yeah, about. Yes, and a lot of money, which you don't really need. But, yeah, I how are you guys all the way at the end of the... Uh, like the AP or whatever. Sybil's doing New points. Game Plus. Oh. Or cheating no, with like a Game Shark or whatever. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause like I am, I just hit like the level where you have to pay 300 per. And so like everything oh, you're slows ahead of me so on that. down. What? You're ahead of me on that. I'm still in the twos. I'm almost done. But it's because I spent a bunch of side points on the raw stats from the skill, the EX skill trees. You can do you can't that. go wrong with. Yeah, the EX skill trees on the side. You don't have to go yeah. through oh, EX the A, stat B, ones, the C. Stat ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you yeah, just yeah, buy yeah, the yeah. raw stats from it. Right. And you just, that's an easy plus two and whatever. Yeah. 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 The, that extra, like, free H strength for Jin. Great. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I could see that. Yeah. Cause, like, I have a lot of points and I'm, like, waiting and it's like, oh, you get, like, one decent skill and then it's like, oh, a couple of stat points. Who cares? But, like, I, I really want to get those master mastery skills. If you um, weren't us, the physical attacker skills for Momo. Momo would do so much fucking damage and then has so much additional strength. Like half of her EX skill tree is just strength plus twos. Huh. That's interesting. I'll be real. I didn't have to cheat much. We are about at the point in the game where it just throws all the skill points and things at you so you can fill out the tree that was designed to go over multiple games and they just want you to have the tools. I want to. I want it. I want it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just looking at the skill tree. Like, I, the thing is, I'm going to get to the point where I get to the end and like, 
okay, it'll take not that long to catch up on the second one, but you probably won't finish. I probably can't imagine you finish the entire skill tree by the end. Okay. Yeah, you will. right, Right now, I'm mildly regretting making Jin the dodge tank a little bit because at least until at least until I got there's a weapon you get and I can't remember the name of it it's one of the ones you get out of a um segment address and it doubles your evasion and also like something else like it gives you plus 10 it's huge does it have is it short counter it's not short counter Uh, short counter is a you you learn short counter counter as part of your uh level up I think what is the mastery skill for Jin? Let's go look at a Xenosaga 3 skill tree fact. Yeah, because there, there's a... I'm still a little confused between... Ca- well, there's counter and then there's revenge. And I know they're technically different. I'm Revenge is like you take damage and counter is like you dodge first, right? Is that my understanding? And counter is also restricted to a range, right? Oh, like yeah, because there's short and long... melee attacks, right? There's short and long versions of each. So, like... I think most of the ones you learn up front are the short ones, but you can, I'm th- pretty sure there's a long counter too or something like Ooh. that. Shion's Breaker Tree Master is good. Oh, 99 EP to nullify break yeah. damage? No, thank you. Well, yeah, every one of the master skills is an obscene cost. Where's mm-hmm. Jin? There's no spacing in this guide. This guide is impossible to read. <laughs> it's because it was written when this was contemporary. Yeah, but the thing is, like, yeah, I wasn't getting a lot of counters out of either. And also, Cosmos is starting to get counter moves and revenge moves or skills, and they're not triggering that often. But, I mean, now with the new weapon, Jin's a little better. I've been rolling with uh, Momo, Cosmos, and Jin. And for the mechs, I just, I didn't use Asher. I used the other three. These aren't even unique. Momo has the same one as Cosmos's attacker tree. That sucks. Yeah, you get two of them per character. They're they're not soul. They're not exclusive. That's kind of lame. Um, it is very but yeah, lame. I, the thing that made Momo so much easier to use is uh, we do get an item that gives you plus 1500 health. And so putting that on Momo is a huge help because now she has like the second most health in the party. No, you got to give her the the thing we just got that inc- it increases the uh, uh, healing ability. And it basically turns, if you want to, a medium heal into a full party heal. Yeah, but I haven't needed to heal all that much, so Same. it hasn't but really been. I can imagine deal, it being you know. helpful later. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Jin's evasion tank mastery yeah. is uh, always execute counter. Oh, sick! Uh, that sounds awesome. Where's the attacker one? Did I miss that already? Always execute critical attacks. That's pretty good with like a raging sea or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's also very good. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of damage. Damn. Yeah, that, those sound very good, but. Yeah, it just wasn't really too hard. And, you know, <gasps> Junior plus... learns the boss move overtaker. Yeah. Ooh, like that cool. huge boost bump. Let you just do a bunch yeah. of boost attacks. That rocks. That might actually get me to try Junior because I have not used Junior or Chaos at all this game, except for like the first two dungeons. Man, he gets like, I feel like Junior and Chaos's special attacks being so weirdly customizable was going to lead into something that just got dropped on a floor. Yeah, that that would make sense. There just isn't a whole lot of like reason to swap characters in and out other than having your heavy hitters, you know, except for like, okay, maybe Shion doesn't have the party wide elemental 
attack that you need. So you just swap in Momo instead. Ziggy gets the worst one. Royal Guard, always execute guard. Way worse than always evade. Um, It's oh, pretty yeah. good if you're also using the focus heat on him move, though. Well, sure. But what I mean is that he's required to take the damage instead of he can also do heat and evade the damage. But he's also one of the two strongest defenders in the game. That's true. Uh, Heartbreaker, large increase in attack power. I don't know about that. Yeah, again, some of them are explicitly worse than others. Yeah, like Blood Dancer does not seem very good, even no. though it's attack and ether up. Yeah, no, sorry. Although it can be used to do some crazy things on a character or two. It's just not the most broken in the game. Yeah. I want them to be splashier than what they the descriptions say they are. I know. Do we have any thoughts on the contents of this episode? Oh, well, the only contents else of the party game chat that we're recording cause... on? We're doing party. We just did party chat. I was going to talk. Else's... Oh, well, Ryan said there's nothing going on because there's a dungeon, and uh -huh. I am just continuing to focus fire, though I did spend a bunch of extra skill points on raw stature, which I also already said. Maybe uh -huh. you should participate okay. in the podcast. Man. Okay, okay, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so, what did we think about the section of the game we covered? Uh, there's good stuff in here in the plot but number one it is just like cutscene after cutscene after cutscene after cutscene then a little bit of dungeon then cutscene it, it the the balance feels off and also the cutscenes aren't as good because we liked that about xenosaga one which i think is the problem right and especially coming off of the climax of disc one which is fucking absolutely incredible it was very yeah. disappointing to come back to this especially because so this game has always had a ton of proper noun MacGuffins, always had a bunch of psychobabble, sorry, sci-fi, like, technobabble, not psychobabble. Actually, there's also psychobabble. And also, a ton of data hidden inside androids. But, up to this point, the games <laughs> have done a very good job of connecting those to, like, meaningful characters and world events. And now... All of the nouns and all of the data is starting to pile on top of one another, and it's finally starting to feel clumsy for me. And that is a bummer. You are right in that Xenosaga takes place in a universe where they forgot how to manufacture thumb drives. <laughs> mm -hmm. Didn't you read Johnny Mnemonic? No, I didn't read it. Why would I read that? I watched oh, the well. movie. The movie is great. I'm just saying, same thing. The human I brain know. can fit so much more than a thumb drive, Chris. I know. I was just so talking about you have Android. a modified. Don't step on my brain. Android joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, Android Steppy is uh, number nineteen. <laughs> what, uh, what is Android nineteen? Is that the big guy? That's the chrono-looking one who got his head crushed with the vest. Yeah, I like oh, his vest. Isn't that 16? no? That's the big fat guy. That's sixteen. I thought nineteen was uh, no, the big green one. Nope. Android yep. 19 is the uncomfortably uh, Asian character one. Oh, oh gotcha. Yeah, the little hopping ghost style dude. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to be real. If I don't have a figure of them on my desk, I can't tell what their number is. He does have yeah. good pants, though. <laughs> they all yeah. have some pretty good fashion game. Other than Jero. Jero sucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jero's fucking awful. I well, do like that he has... I love that his hat hides his robo brain, though, in a dome. That was pretty good. I find it real weird that we have the admission that two of the other androids are his wife and son. Uh -huh. That's wild. 
Don't worry yeah, about I, it. I just realized that if he did, doesn't wear the hat, that his brain would get sunburned. Uh-huh. Well, he could have UV-tinted glass on that dome. Yeah, why, why, why Transition brain dome? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Let me tell you about getting some transition brain, Chris. I, speaking of transitioning, <laughs> do we have anything to share with the listeners? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm upping my estrogen dose. Congratulations. You asked. Slash, I'm sorry. I don't know. (laughs) No, it's it's basically just making my mood swings a little wilder. (laughs) Great. Looking forward to that. This is the wilder me. (laughs) Get dunked on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, after you get dunked on, go listen to Boku No Stop. There are two versions of it. There's the free version where we are just about finishing Monster... Thank God. Uh, next week is the final episode. Well, no, because we're gonna we're gonna do the yeah, and then we're doing a like recap slash what if like editing session after that. So we have like two more episodes to record. We ha- well, oh. I said we're doing the final episodes of the show. That's, That's true. Uh, and then the other version, which is for patrons only, is Boku no Stop Premium, where we are talking about Jujutsu Kaisen, and that's been a lot of fun because that show's good. It's fun for you because you don't have to edit this fucking two hour episode every two weeks, even though we're only talking about two hour, two episodes of anime. It just keeps happening. I, I know we, we cut down from three episodes per episode to two, and it still hasn't made it any shorter. <laughs> also, did you see the really sick Gojo figure they're putting out this week? Oh, buddy, uh, I know I'm not. That. I figured. Yeah, drop it in. Wait, not Gojo. No, Gojo. No, fuck him. I was thinking of the other guy. Oh, OK, yeah, one sec. I'll find Jogo. No, I was thinking of Nanami, who is like my anime. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You bought the Nanami one like immediately. Yeah. Gojo has a figure. Uh, One sec. I'll link it. Shout Mm -hmm. outs. Shout outs to somebody just making me into an anime character. (laughs) You can't have a lot of credit there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That that is pretty sick. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I just heard it from the Manchester Evening News. Quote, everyone makes mistakes, says Teen, who who karate kicked 74-year-old man into River Mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of shaman anime. (laughs) What even? <laughs> did, did he then Gohan say owning Roshi in a trade? That goes session. in the did, lit pit. Yeah. And, and then did he say this was not one of those mistakes? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Ryan. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, Ryan I, stopped giving a shit about our crap. <laughs> I don't have any plugs this week. I'm sorry. But thanks. But you got plug ins. I do have plugins. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> you can listen to Ryan Ice <laughs> podcast icons and icons by visiting our Patreon at pitchdrop.cash and kicking it as a little as a buck a month. It's this podcast, but about Final Fantasy 14, the MMO, where you can find out about all of the references that Ryan and I make that you don't understand, like such as <laughs> who is Nero. <laughs> That's all until next time when we'll be talking about the retaking of the Durandal, stopping once we return to the Elsa again. So wait a second. This Nero you were describing the whole time wasn't the guy from Devil May Cry? Because that's what I no. thought that was no. the whole time. No. Okay. Nero no, is, is, a, Nero I, is I assume. A, an anime villain stem lord who has a relationship with the Sid of that game that is exactly the same as yeah. Sellers and Mizrahi. 
Yeah, 100%. Because Miz- just like Mizrahi, he doesn't know that he's in an anime rivalry. Mm-hmm. But he's Amazing. in such an anime rivalry. It's so good. Yeah, it's great. Love it. And he has sick glasses also. Yeah. I love and sick he- glasses on a character. And he gets gooped. <laughs> he does Ooh. get gooped. I'm sorry, Purple Nero. <laughs> Should I cut that part? No, spoiler. Gets, no, no. It's the name of one of our episodes, actually. Okay, never he mind. He gets gooped then. in the only alliance raid that comes up because everybody takes <laughs> off all their gear to cheat, making yeah. me do the most boring alliance raid every day instead of the uh-huh. good ones. Uh-huh. To Have be fair chat. to them, the other ones are extremely hard and not something you want to do with puggies, but whatever. Right. With what? Puggies. Pickup groups. Don't worry about it. You pick them up in the party finder. They're pugs. Oh. Anyway. Peace out, fuckers. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.